1: Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 862 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, January the 11th. I'm your host Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors, and of course, please make sure you're finding the show on all of your favorite podcast providers. New episodes instantly in your feed when you subscribe. So please go and do that. It's much appreciated. Leave a rating or a review while you're there as well uh, today's show is brought to you of course by built bar our good friends over there the best tasting protein bars you're ever going to try go to builtbar.com use the promo code locked on to get 20 percent off your next order more on built bar a little bit later on in the show all right, on today's show, we have a pair of Raptors games to talk about. A 144-123, very surprisingly fun win over the Sacramento Kings on Friday night, and then a tough 106-105 loss on a missed Pascal Siakam buzzer, buzzer beater to close uh, in Golden State against the Warriors to move to 2-7 and seven on the season for your Toronto Raptors. And joining me to... Taco Bell, our biggest takeaways from these games. Dive into, uh, I don't know, the lack of centers now on the team, getting rotation minutes. We'll dive into Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, the whole crew. It's our pal, Big V himself, Big Lavender. It's Big V Monday, Vivek Jacob. What's up, man? Not that much. Uh, Yeah, tough, tough
4: loss to swallow against the Warriors. Uh, but you feel like things are coming together for them. You feel like... They're finding the best version of themselves. I think my biggest takeaway, and obviously there's more to take away from the Warriors game than the Kings game. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, they're just a guy short. And, you know, the margin for error, like they make a mistake here, it comes back to bite them. They make a mistake there, it comes back to bite them. It's just, you know, you feel like if there was just one more guy that they could depend on. You know, some of these mistakes wouldn't be so costly, but that's just the situation they're in. And the weird spot for the team as far as the roster construction is concerned is Masai's hands are kind of tied with waiting for all these contracts that were signed in the offseason to become eligible Mm -hmm. for trade. So Mm -hmm. it's something that they're just kind of going to have to deal with.
1: Yeah, I, I we'll get into the Warriors game in the second segment, because it was very interesting. There was a lot of uh, I think good and bad to take from it, and I think your point is very, very salient in that, yeah, they are a guy short right now. Uh, but let's start with the Kings. Let's go chronological and dive into that game, which started off uh, horrendously. <laughs> they were <laughs> When I turned the game on, I, I was a little bit late getting to it. They were down 35-19, and things were not going super hot. They ended up closing the first quarter down just 8, and then basically cruise the rest of the way and set a franchise regular season record for points with 144. Pascal Siakam, a rebound away from a triple-double, goes 17, 9, and 12. with the assists, my God, maybe the best playmaking game he's ever had. Um, we saw Fred Van Vliet put up 34, continuing a wonderful start for him. And, of course, this was all with Kyle Lowry out for personal reasons. And it was a nice feel-good win after a couple of pretty upsetting win- uh, losses, I guess. I mean, the Suns one wasn't so bad. There was some positives there. But that Celtics, we, we lost to start the week was uh, a nightmare. Um, Either way, the Kings game left people feeling pretty all right, I think. They moved to 2-6 and with that win. What was your biggest takeaway from Friday night's win over Sacramento?
4: Besides Tyrese Halliburton being (laughs) an extreme ton of fun to watch, I mean, that guy is going to be pretty special in this league. I'm excited to see what he does in the future. Uh, From a Raptors perspective, obviously, you know, we've we've seen the best five lineup come to fruition. When Norman mm-hmm. Powell is playing well, you got to go with Kyle, Fred, uh, Norm, OG, and Siakam. Obviously, Kyle didn't play that game. So after the Raptors have that early deficit, you're thinking, do they even have enough to fight back in this one? But they got mm-hmm. some good performances off the bench as well. Chris Boucher keeps doing his thing. So, yeah, I feel like... That was if Powell can give you consistency, which we saw last season, whether that was the aberration and we really can't expect that uh, ever again is something to be debated. But yeah, the other takeaway is obviously Fred is just a, a ball of fire, right? Like that guy, mm-hmm. that guy just can't be stopped right now.
1: Yeah, I want to dive in on Fred. Uh, we'll get to the center stuff and the changed lineup in the only five minutes from a traditional center in that game against the Kings uh, in a bit. And, well, that'll be sort of a through line, I think, throughout here because of the starting five in the game against the Warriors. But Fred, I think, deserves a lot of recognition because he... Like, we all knew the issues coming into the season, right? He's a guy who, you know, can over dribble. He can be a little bit too plotting and and take a little bit too much time to make decisions when he's running pick and roll, when he's running the offense. We know he's not a very good finisher around the basket. And he's kind of taken all of those criticisms and uh, made them not really apt anymore. He is obviously still going to always be at a size disadvantage when he goes in to try to finish at the rim. And we saw that against the Warriors, just because the Warriors basically have coached all their long, bouncy dudes who maybe aren't very good at basketball to just kind of collapse around the rim. And they did a good job against Fred. He got blocked a few times. But against the Kings and against the Warriors, the finishing around the rim, like, he's just pulling out a whole bunch of new tricks, and a lot of them are kind of seemingly inspired by Kyle Lowry, and I'm glad that he has the tutelage of Kyle to sort of learn how to score as a six-foot guard underneath, because... He is adding to the repertoire. He's got the English going off the backboard. He's got the different little counters. He's finding ways to score over tall guys, which was just never a thing he could do. He's finding those little tricks that Kyle uses to create a little bit of space. You know, nudge a guy here, wait for a pump fake here. Like It's just he is really kind of refining himself, and as a result... He's able to kind of carry the offense in a way he never really has been before. And you're not going to be terribly successful if Fred Van Vliet is forced to carry your offense night to night. But in certain games, if he needs to kind of take it upon himself, he has the pull-up game. He has the driving. He's got the mid-range, too. You know, the finishing will always, again, be a bit of a sore spot because of the height. But if he's working to improve his very bad finishing around the rim to league average or slightly above... That makes him an entirely different player. And it it just, it really changes the game as to what he can be, what his ceiling can be. Am I getting too excited about Fred Van Vliet finishing around the rim?
4: Nah, man. Keep getting excited. I think you hit on an important point about him just, you know, using those little tricks in the middle of the floor to create separation and then get to the basket. I think one thing we saw over the course of his career, not just last season, is he'd get that step, whether it's off a screen or whatever it may be, uh, him creating that separation. And then it he'd sort of be like, okay, it's a foot race now. I, I created the separation. I got to get there as soon as possible. But what happens when you make it a foot race like that over the space that needs to be covered, I don't know if this, I'm going to be able to explain this well on a podcast, but <laughs> Try say, <your> damn best. <laughs> say he comes off that screen and he's got the separation up top and he's racing towards the basket, the defender who's trying to keep up, now they're going full speed as well to catch up. And Fred's probably got smaller strides than the dude that's chasing him. And so that just gets negated. Mm -hmm. But when he's able to create that separation and then use his body again, you're forcing the other body to stop now. And so as a smaller guard now to hit that acceleration, it gives him an advantage for big to stop and then start again, that's tough. But when they're able to have their own runway to sort of beat Fred to the basket, that's where the problems start. So I think he's doing a bit more of that. And then, you know, again at the rim it, it, that overall balance is just better. Now it's not like he's getting himself into a tough situation where it's like, okay, I've just got to throw up a wild one here. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I think that's a big thing that's changed.
1: It's interesting. actually. And I don't know if you understood what I yeah. said at all. <laughs> I did. I think it made sense. It might take a couple of listens, but just rewind it. That's fine. Um, I got exactly what you were saying. The thing that's interesting about Fred is that, like, he's actually not finishing at the rim super well so far this year. It seems like he's finishing a lot better than he is. He's at 51.2%. He was at 549 last year, so he's pretty significantly down three percentage points, almost four. Um, but, like, I think the process is a lot better, if that makes sense. And I think if he continues to pull out these extra tricks and, you know, kind of perfect them, that's really going to, I think, balance out in the averages over the course of the season. And it's also worth noting that his overall two-point percentage is up from 43.4% to 53.2, and he's killing it from the mid-range right now. 60% from 10 to 16 feet, 71% from 16 to three-point range, which is amazing. And then, of course, 39.8 from three with a lot of pull-up stuff baked in. So his overall shot, diet, and, and chart is really encouraging right now. And I should even note, between 3 and 10 feet, so like floater range, he's up to 47.4%. He was at 23% last year. So even if it is down a little bit inside 3 feet, everywhere else is a lot better. And the stuff inside 3 feet looks a lot better than it has at any point in his career. So uh, very encouraging stuff from Fred VanVleet. And I mean the nice thing about that game against the kings the the, the afterglow of it is you get into like the all star conversation with Fred and you start <laughs> you start that hype train early enough then you might just talk it into existence it's uh It's very exciting stuff, so uh we'll keep an eye on Fred van Vleet, who again was quite good against the Warriors, too. He might come up in segment two uh the last thing about the first game that we're on the docket here Vivek I wanted to ask you about is the bench. um five different guys kind of got some extended run in the reserve unit with Alex Len only playing a ceremonial five minutes to start the game. You got Boucher playing 29. Watanabe plays 19. Stanley Johnson 15. Malachi Flynn gets in, finally hits a shot, goes 12, 5, and 2, uh, and 5 of 6 shooting in 17 minutes. And then uh, Terrence Davis, unfortunately, he gets 22 minutes, uh, scores 18 points on th- 7 to 13, was a team best plus 25. Um, and so a bit of a deeper look at the bench, of course, to be expected with Kyle out and Alex Len not really playing and Aaron Baines not playing at all as a coach decision. Um, any sort of notes among those reserve guys? Can you start to see a bit of a reserve unit coming together here uh, that you kind of like, or is it still just let's just throw some stuff at the wall, see what sticks night tonight?
4: Well, I think Watanabe is emerged as that backup, small forward, power forward, right? Like he can give you some useful mm-hmm. minutes there um the kings game he was basically backing up og and we saw him at both three at the three and the four and i i think he's giving you good minutes i think defensively is where it starts with nick nurse and he's proven a positive so far if he can get a bit more uh on the offensive end that's obviously going to be a big bonus but i think he's doing the right thing he's energetic he's active um And that's all that's needed at that position right now. Uh, OG himself has got to be a bit better. Um, Beyond that, yeah, the center position, it is what it is. Uh, Baines is going to have to try and find himself. He's probably, you would imagine, as far as ceilings go, the offers a bit more than Alex Lin. But, you know, we haven't seen any of that to this point. We're basing it Mm -hmm. on what we've seen from him both in Phoenix and Boston, right? And you'd like to think that guy is somewhere still in there. Uh, and it's going to take some time. Uh, Davis, as you said, yeah, uh, he provides that shooting when he's there, but the defensive mistakes, uh, thats it's, it's really tough to live with, especially those minutes where you see him on the floor, floor with Norman Powell. Mm-hmm. And that becomes really tough to swallow. So that's going to be a situation, I think, as you said, that – you know, you, you you see what each matchup presents itself. You can probably live with it a bit more against the Kings than you can against a Warriors team that's been defending pretty well since uh, Draymond Green got back. And, yeah, against Portland, uh, you know, they've addressed some of their wing depth, but it hasn't helped as much as I think people made it up. Uh, it would at, before the season began. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, in terms of the bench guys, for me, I think, um, you know, Watanabe is a little bit like Stanley Johnson in that there's very little offensive contribution, but he can also dribble, which Stanley Johnson does not have in his bag, so mm-hmm. it's nice, Um you know, it'd be nice if Watanabe was more reliable than just like knocking down a corner three. He kind of has like a a Patrick Patterson type energy to him. If he were to be able to knock down those threes, It's just like a guy who you know. I know we all kind of hated Patrick Patterson by the end, but you know, he was a smart dude who didn't really ask for the ball. He just kind of was in position and could do a small amount of stuff if uh, if if it came to him and he had had to make a move off a of closeout or whatever. Um, I think Watanabe has a little bit of that, but yeah, the offense needs to. Come on along a little bit more, and he needs to, uh, you know, finish shots and things like that. But it, it's been nice to see him get some run here, and I think Flynn was really encouraging. You know, he didn't play a ton against the Warriors. Uh, that, by the way, that missed uh, or that after the buzzer three should have counted in the first quarter because it was cool enough to out duel the clock in that battle. Um, but either way, I think Flynn. Looked really comfortable, and I I like what he brings in terms of just, like, competent, smart ball handling who can run a possession and not make silly mistakes for the most part. So, uh, shout out to him. Glad he got some run and looked pretty good in his first uh, real game as a big part of the rotation and, and looking uh, you know, like he's ready for it. Um, let's continue on in just a sec. We'll dive into the Warriors game a little bit more and uh, talk about some takeaways there. But first, I want to tell everybody about our friends over at Built Bar who are making the best tasting protein bars in the world. They're so good. They're awesome before a workout or just as a meal replacement in the morning. Or if you want to kind of cheat a little bit, have a tasty treat, but it's actually not that unhealthy for you, the Built Bar is the way to go. They've got 18 amazing flavors for you, including some of my faves like carrot cake, banana bread, the <laughs> cat Uh, you got the the toffee almond orange as well I actually had yesterday the coconut cream and chocolate it was really really good I highly recommend that one as well bars are covered in 100% chocolate soft and easy to chew and they're great for the health conscious person you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat for uh, you got low calorie low sugar high protein high fiber great for keto diets as well and a couple of the flavor examples you've got for example the coconut almond which I had yesterday again 18 grams of protein 180 calories 5 grams of Sugar, five grams of net carbs, and the new cookies and cream, 17 grams of protein, just 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and four grams of net carbs. Right now, when you go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKDON, you get 20% off of your next order. That's the promo code LOCKDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com.
0: In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes
1: early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. All right, Big V, just a heads up on tomorrow's podcast, we'll be talking all about the Blazers game, so stay tuned for that. We'll have a fun week. I believe our pal Dwayne Notice is going to come on the podcast this week, too, so that should be... A blast. Uh, yeah, Dwayne's great. He's uh, he's going to be a media star uh, after he's done his playing career because he's mm-hmm. still got some playing to do. But still, um, let's uh, dive into the Warriors game, Vivek. They, uh Raptors lose this one, 106-105, final possession. Um, you know, Pascal Siakam, little turnaround jumper, trying to score over Andrew Wiggins, doesn't quite work out. People uh, kind of jump on the miss at the end of the game uh, despite a really nice performance once again from Siakam, a fourth really good game from him in a row. He seems to be kind of back to his old self and in a lot of ways even better, which is great to see. Um overarching takeaways from this one i mean we could start with the final possession if you want and kind of go backwards from there did you have a a huge issue with the way that all transpired at the end there no i didn't have an issue at all with what happened
4: it didn't look like he was the first option on the play it looked like no they were trying to get it to fred van vliet to me Mm -hmm. and then you know it just transpired that Pascal was the most open player to get the ball to and people want to make jokes about the spin move. Sure. Go ahead. But at the end of the day, that was a pretty clean look in a late clock scenario and Mm -hmm. he's been making that mid range shot. It went in and out for a second. I thought it was good and yeah, it just sucks that it didn't fall. If you want to criticize something about Siakam, you know, He's gonna to have to start making some free throws pretty soon. That's the that's the one thing that you look mm-hmm. at. You know, he's at 72% on the season. You want some better consistency there because his shooting form is better than that percentage suggests. Mm-hmm. So overall, I thought he had a really good game. I thought there was a really crucial stretch late second quarter where it looked like the Warriors could pull away and the Raptors called a timeout and some of those things that you want to see from the guy you saw from Siakam. I thought he was really aggressive getting to the paint and um, being decisive and sort of help the Raptors hold the fourth there and finish that half well. And then that bled into uh, making things happen in the fourth quarter. Obviously, Kyle was the biggest factor in that fourth quarter with, I believe it was 16 fourth quarter points, if I'm not mistaken. So, Yeah, Uh, I don't have too much issue with that last shot. It goes in, I think the narrative is completely different.
1: Oh, of course. And to use that to like deride a dude after four excellent games and a game where he was doing stuff, you mentioned that stretch in the second quarter. I mean, he was pretty much making good things happen, every possession on both ends of the floor for like a good four or five-minute stretch of the second quarter, and for most of this game. I mean, his defense in this game was incredible, I thought. The possession where he switched out onto Steph Curry and like very nonchalantly just punked him and stonewalled him and forced him into a tough three that he missed and then went the other way for a Norm Powell finish to cut it to 10 before halftime. I mean, that is the Siakam experience when he's at his best because Mm -hmm. not only is he a very good offensive player, is he number one? No, but he's very good. He also is, when he really locks in, like a top 10 defender in the world who can guard basically anybody on the floor. And in, that includes Steph Curry, who has been incredible so far this season. And I just I think he hasn't gotten enough credit for, for that side of his game last night, or maybe there hasn't been time for him to get credit. I don't know. It's, it was 12 hours ago. But still, I, I just think he looks really good right now. And one missed shot to close a game... A shot that he's worked on and has hit, like you said, so far this season. I've got no problem with that. And if you want to, yeah, you can quibble with the free throws. I'm sure uh, you can quibble with Kyle Lowry missing some free throws late in this game too. It's not just on Pascal. I, I, like they're not anywhere near in touch in this game yeah. if Siakam doesn't play the way he did. And so uh, it's just it's very strange that like that drew ire when the entire body of work for the game and for the last week has been really impressive and has fully convinced me that he's just like back. I don't know. Are you still needing to see more or are you inclined to believe that the last four games are the real Siakam and that he's just back to being the very, very good pseudo number one, maybe not quite, but maybe there's still some room to grow type player he was last year.
4: I think he's pretty close to the version of himself we saw pre-pandemic. I Mm -hmm. just think that you know, we still have some of those playoff questions that need to be answered, right? And sure. those are things that sure. aren't going to happen until then. Um, right now, the Raptors don't look like a playoff team with their record. So uh, <laughs> you'd like to think they can keep moving in the right direction with their play, and the record will start to reflect that. But it, we're getting closer and closer to, hey, you just really just got to get the wins, right? doesn't matter how kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this Portland game is gonna be an important one to get just to get the good vibes going back uh to their fake home in tampa yeah <laughs> but yeah but totally. with pascal like i just find the whole in general the whole hate vibe for him is weird right like yeah since when did his story become something that just constantly people need to be out with the pitchforks at uh yeah i, I think for with him I've been rooting for him the whole way. It's nice to see him back. That It's a big relief to see him back. And I think he's just going to continue to get better. I think, you know, the more shots guys make around him, that's going to make it easier, even easier for him going forward as well.
1: Totally. And, and look, I think I was very concerned a week ago before that Celtics game and after the Celtics game. Like, I, I was... You know, if Siakam was going to be the yips affected player that he was in the bubble and to start this year, you know the record was actually going to look like the team itself, like the the one and six, the two and seven. Yeah. Would actually alarm me because that would speak to, you know, a, a complete another fall off from your most important scorer. Because the last four games have been so promising, and because he looks back to his old levels with some enhanced playmaking. I am not at all bothered by the two and seven record right now. I I just I kind of think it's still way too early. When you look at the standings, it becomes way less concerning because they're exactly two and a half games back of the six seeded (laughs) Knicks. Like (laughs) it's they're it's they're four and a half out of first place in the conference. Everybody's weird right now. You can get in your own little bubble and say, oh, like the Raptors are in some tough kind of way. But everyone's kind of going through it. The Heat are going through it. Everyone has COVID. Like it's it's a bizarro season and. 2 and 7 this season especially just like looking at the standings does not feel particularly insurmountable and when you have Pascal playing the way he is and really Kyle Lowry and Fred VanVleet both playing incredible basketball too like you're you're well on your way to kind of finding maybe not like I I thought this was going to be the 2 seed in the east I don't think that anymore because I think the depth is too uh, porous but I do think there's more than enough here to be above the play-in in the Eastern Conference with what you have in Siakam and Lowry and Fred, and ideally OG, who is missing shots, not looking terribly comfortable on offense, minus the odd very impressive drive here and there, which which he seems to bust out every single game at this point. But um, it's just the top four is good enough that I feel – pretty good about where they sit and yeah they might lose to Portland tonight it's a back to back portland's good um, the fact that portland has a good center in Nurkic although he hasn't been great so far this year but that might necessitate we see Aaron Baines and if that's the case then maybe we're looking at a at a, at a 2 and 8 start but i would say the progression right now is looking good the process looks good And it feels like, as Kyle said last night in his postgame, things are very close to turning around for them and the wins will start to match what the team has looked like for the most part in a lot of these games. I want to continue on that thread in just a second here, Vivek, and talk about sort of when the panic button should actually be hit if the record continues to stink, and uh, a couple other things, in particular the uh, the center situation. But first, I want to tell everybody about our friends over at betonline.ag. Please go and sign up at betonline.ag. There's so many things for you to bet on, including tonight, the college football championship, if you want to put some money down on that. Not just the game, you know, the spread, who's going to win, but you can bet on all sorts of props. And if you sign up for a free account at betonline.ag, Today, use the promo code LOCKEDON, you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus, meaning if you put in $100, bucks, you are going to get an extra $50 added to your account for free and again there's a million things to throw some money down on you got the nfl playoffs round two coming up this weekend you've got nba games every single night the nhl is starting they've got futures for the nhl you can put money down on too don't sit on the sidelines anymore get in on the action and don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit betonline.ag your online sports book experts
5: hi i'm jake from locked there's a lot to say when buying a new home or car but really the first words you want to say are Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And trust me, as someone named Jake, that is a fact. That's the phrase that will help you feel good knowing that you have people who could help you find the right coverage for the things you want to protect. Insurance doesn't need to be complicated with a State Farm agent. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits you because your situation is unique.
1: All right, Vivek, let's wrap this thing up. First, just a quick reminder that Locked On Bets is available for you on all of your favorite podcast providers. Go check it out every single day. Excellent insight as to where you should be laying your money when you are uh, signing up for betonline.ag. It's with your boy Q from Locked On Raiders and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They are excellent, so go and subscribe to Locked On Bets today. All right, Big V. Um, The... The question on my mind that I think a lot of people are kind of reckoning with right now is kind of the Kyle Lowry trade talk begins to heat up a little bit, even though there's no reason for it to be heated up because it's far too early. Um, But it's still a topic of conversation, and it will become a topic of conversation that has a little bit more relevance if the record continues to be bad. As of tonight, after the game against the Blazers, they'll have played 10 games. It's usually about 20 games when you really want to start making conclusions about a team. For you, considering it's a seventy-two game season and all that, and all the weirdness here and the strange standings and the clustered standings where everyone's four and four, do you have like a time? I know last week you mentioned sort of end of January as kind of the the important moment to see if this Raptors team is bad or good. Um, But like, at what point does the record get so far under five hundred, deep enough into the season that you start to really think about how the Raptors should approach this season and maybe change how their plans are initially? were laid out which i I think in theory was you'll be good again make a nice little run maybe you go to the second round maybe you luck out and get to a conference finals but overall you know it's still a transitional learning season at what point do you think maybe they look towards tearing things down a little bit trading things off and getting some future assets back and kind of restructuring things around the og van vliet siakam core is there like an event horizon record where you're like okay that you can't come back from that go into the tank You fade for Cade, all that stuff.
4: (laughs) I mean, for the record, I have always been anti-tank. So,
1: yeah, tanking sucks. It's miserable.
4: Yeah, my (laughs) stance on that has not changed. But in terms of assessing where the team's at and if the front office should realize where the season is headed, I'm still with that Gen twenty seventh mark because Mm -hmm. they've got nine games between now and now and then. That's why I think the Portland game is so important. if you win that, like you can get the next two against Charlotte, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And then you've got six tough games, right? It's Dallas, Miami, Miami, Indiana, Indiana, Milwaukee. So over these next nine games, if you're looking to go the other way, then you're probably getting another two and seven or a one and eight over this stretch and mm-hmm. saying, yeah, okay, maybe, maybe it's time to pack it in. Um, and look at a different direction, hmm. but if the Raptors can kind of hold the fort here through the end of Jan, then I think there's a pretty good stretch for them coming up on the other side of that. That those games, they've got the yeah. big road trip, which I think, honestly, with the way the season is, isn't really a bad thing. Being in te- uh, considering the Tampa situation. Uh, but yeah, if they can get through the end of January fairly unscathed, just like a few games under 500, I think they'll be okay. And I think they should keep pushing for it because to your point about not caring so much about the seating, the playoff seating, I, I, I don't know what the record is at this moment, but through the first hundred games, home teams were 47 and 53. Yeah. And so that situation is not going to change in the playoffs at at, at this point in time, I would not expect fans to be, you know, filling arenas come playoff time. And so the home court situation to me is not going to change. Just get in there. Obviously you want to avoid a bad matchup, but as far as the record is concerned, if you're keeping your head above water come the second half of the season, then you can really make a push for it. And, you know, the Raptors, honestly, like I said, a piece away, a decent piece away, maybe even a, just a serviceable center. Mm-hmm. Um, They might be able to go on a run similar to that season where they traded Rudy Gay, right? Like the pieces are there. You can see the core coming together. Like I said, the margin for error is very thin right now because it's like OG has a bad game. And so, you know, they end up coming short. Kyle might have a bad three quarters. Okay. That's not enough. Like there isn't enough to make up for just one person having an off night, right? Like everyone's literally got to be on every single night. And so just that one guy uh, could make the difference uh, in, in some of these games that come down to the wire.
1: Yeah. Like I think when it comes to assessing the roster, you can kind of already do it. (laughs) It's pretty clear what they need. And it's that exactly that it's like an extra bench piece, maybe two, including a center Maybe someone who can do a little bit off the off the bounce or whatever with the bench unit, who you can just kind of trust for some offense, because right now it's like a lot of defense-first options there, outside of Chris Boucher, who's a goddamn flamethrower right now. <laughs> but you know, in terms of the overall direction of the season, I don't think all is lost if they're you know nine and eleven or they're you know even like seven and thirteen necessarily, because the the standings are going to be clumped together and also. With the way COVID is clearly going to derail teams throughout the season, and look, this could happen to the Raptors as well. Like you can't just say they're not going to get it. They probably will at some point have some sort of issue where they have multiple players out for the protocols. But, you know, there's a world in which you get the sixth seed or you win a play and you're the seventh seed and you're playing like the Pacers in the first round because they've managed to survive the pandemic well enough and they're on a pretty good start to the season anyway. And are you terrified of playing the Pacers in round one if you're the Raptors and you've added a player or two at the deadline or before then to supplement the roster? Like, no, I don't think so. Um, Oxen won like, from Nate of, and Nick for 48 Oh, minutes. my God. <laughs> yeah. Coach brain see, uh, series, uh, like, just exploding minds for sure. Um, but, like, you know, even obviously you have, like, the Nets and the, the the Bucks. I think, are the kind of two preeminent teams in the conference right now that you don't want to play in a first-round series if you can avoid it. But... Even then, I mean, who the hell knows? Maybe COVID befalls one of those teams in the playoffs. It would suck. It'd be highly unfortunate. It might even cause a pause to the season. But, you know, there's so much uncertainty. It's like an ultra extreme version of make it into the, the, you know, be a team that's relevant deep into the playoffs and maybe you get injury luck and win a title like the Raptors kind of did. Like it's kind of an enhanced version of that. And so if you are a good team, which I think, once all is said and done, they will be a good team on merit. Like, I think their record will show it. I think their their on-off numbers and their and their net ratings and all that stuff will line up properly with what we kind of expect of a team that has Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam, and Fred Van Vliet leading the way. You know, you get into the playoffs, and like literally anything could happen. Like, I don't like saying that all the time because usually it's pretty rote in the postseason. But it's very much not going to be this year. The seating is going to be wacky and stupid and weird, and it's just you want to be in the playoffs. Tanking sucks, man. <laughs> and like, yes, it's a good draft, and maybe if you're five and fifteen after twenty games, you start to look long and hard at a Kyle trade, even though it's very hard to facilitate one because of the money and the desire to not take on money long term, but. It's it's going to take a lot for me, I think, to be like, all right, throw in the towel because this is just such a bizarro season and the process and the skeleton of a good team is very much here. And I'd rather see them kind of play it out and find that sort of potential that's kind of untapped so far than say, all right, well, we tried and we're going to pack it in now. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where I'm at there. Um, yeah, get a center. It's a shame they didn't leave Sacramento with Rashawn Holmes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Would have been so convenient for everybody, but uh, I guess that's not the case. Anyway, Big V, I feel like we've reached the end of today's podcast. Thank you so much for for joining me, man. Do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, The usual stuff. Complex, CBC
4: Sports, and the Red Couch Manx podcast.
1: Hell yeah. Well, how's Man Man United doing? I haven't paid attention. What are they doing right now?
4: Well, actually, this may be of interest for even some basketball fans. Uh, If Manchester United win their match on tuesday they will go top of the table so the following saturday they would be top of the table going up against liverpool second in the table so i will have special guest william who's a huge liverpool fan (laughs) and so both of us will go back and forth at it to recap that match
1: Lovely. I I've watched a game. I've watched a Raptors game many times with William Lou before. It's uh it's quite an experience. I would imagine it's probably similar watching a Liverpool game. And uh, boy, sounds fun. Cheers to Will. <laughs> uh, Find me uh, on Twitter, of course, at Woodley Sean. Subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. Uh, and, yeah, make sure you're just checking out all the stuff we got on Locked On right now. The NHL season starting. We had wonderful NHL season previews last week. Go listen to those. They're quite fun, quite good. And also Locked On Leafs with mike de stefano covering your toronto maple leafs is running strong too so go give that show a listen as well that'll do it we'll talk to you again on tuesday to break down the the placers the pacers blazers i'm confusing teams that joe wolf on loves um <laughs> we'll talk tomorrow about the blazers game uh, on another episode of locked on raptors have a good one everybody